Welcome back to the Engaged Prospect podcast. This is Dan Hirsch. I'm founder and president of Engaged Prospect. Today, I'm sitting with Don Cooper. Don is the sales heretic. He's been a sales and management trainer for decades. Don, I am really glad to have you, and I can't wait to talk with you. Thank you, Dan. I'm excited to be here. So tell us a little bit about your background. As I alluded to, you've been, you've been at this for a long time, but now for, for at least the last 18 years, you've had your own business. You've been um, training teams around the country. Tell us a little bit about what you do. Yeah, actually, I've been in sales since I was seven years old. I was going door-to-door selling seeds, greeting cars, literally stuff out the back of comic books. Because my family has a small business, you know, there wasn't a ton of money. So if I wanted to spend any money, I had to go out and earn it. And I figured sales was a good way to do it. And so I sold from the time that I was seven up until, you know, up through high school. I sold all during high school. I sold during college. I sold after college. So I've been selling almost my entire life. And wow. I have loved that. And because of that, I learned a lot about selling. I learned some of it through through books and tapes and things like that. I learned some lessons on my own, some things I just kind of figured out, other things I've learned by making mistakes, kind of the way anybody else learns. But I've always had this this passion for sales. My favorite jobs have been sales. Now, one job that I hated was also in sales. Um, <laughs> I worked for a little while doing uh, direct phone calls, uh, direct prospecting for some window treatments company or, or window replacement, something, something to do with windows. But I remember that I didn't like it. I didn't care about it. I didn't like what I was doing, how I was doing it. And that was a good lesson to me that not all sales are equal and you need to figure out what resonates with you. So if you don't care about or don't like what you're selling, you're not going to be successful selling it. And if you don't like the process, you're not going to like it. So you got to figure out what you can sell that excites you and in a way that fits with your personality and style. That was a really valuable lesson to learn. Interesting. Sure. And, and not, only, not only the product or industry that you're in, but also the people you work with, your management team, you mentioned oh, process. Yeah. All of those things can impact how you, how you perceive your role. Yeah, definitely. Back in, in college, I worked at two different Domino's pizza locations. This was in the Washington, D.C. area, and uh, I remember one was a phenomenal store. It was actually the number eight store in the world in sales. We would do 300 pizzas an hour on a Friday or Friday night. The place was a well-oiled machine. And, and later, I worked at a different Domino's outlet, very different. And because of the different management people involved, the stores had very different atmospheres. And even though it's the same product and the same overall corporate culture, the individual culture was very, very different because of two different managers. And that was a really interesting lesson to learn, that your people will only work to the extent that you enable them and inspire them to. Hmm. That's, that's a really good lesson, and, and it's something that I'm sure – um, like me, you're working with your with your teams and your clients all the time on. Sure. So you you currently at the sales heretic, you you go and you work with not only salespeople but you also coach managers too. Is that correct? Yeah, I do work with sales managers. I also speak at conferences and meetings 
um, when they're not being canceled as they have been lately. <laughs> sure. Sure. Let's, let's talk about that. So one of the things I know we wanted to discuss, um, not to make this, this episode specific to a certain time, but everybody in the country and the world is dealing with COVID-19. So um, by the time this um, rolls out and is published, I'm sure many things will have changed. But as of right now, this week in particular, almost all businesses across the country have adopted when possible a work from home policy. Um, a lot of, a lot of folks are, are either furloughed, working from home, laid off, unfortunately. You just alluded to um, conferences being canceled. Certainly, is, is we're in a crisis, and not to obviously there's a health side of that, but then there's also a business side of that. Companies are companies are really struggling. What have you been yeah. What have you been seeing as it as it relates to the folks you work with? Well, part of the challenge is separating the fear from the facts. And the challenge is, as human beings, we are emotional before we are logical. So our, our, inst our instant reactions are based on our emotions, not on the facts. So a big challenge for all of us in this is to try to keep our fear down and focus on the facts and use the facts to make decisions. Because what we're seeing in the panic buying, for example, is just fear. There's no reason, there's no logical reason for people to stock up on toilet paper and, uh, and, and uh, paper towels and other things like that. Just, there's none, zero. People are doing it because of an irrational fear. And that's the first challenge for all of us in business is to not let fear control our decision-making process. We need to make our decisions based upon facts and logic with an understanding that our emotions can't be removed from the process, but we can acknowledge the role they play without allowing ourselves to completely succumb to them. Hmm. Certainly. How, how does that apply? Um, I, I assume a lot of your clients, like mine, are business-to-business -business companies. Is that, is that a fair assumption? Uh, some of them are. Some of them are business-to-consumer. Okay. Let's, let's talk, uh, actually, your answer could be either, but I, I'm thinking in a frame of reference of business to business when, when we're calling on folks that are, are also dealing with this, right? They're, they're not, yeah. or they, they are at home, just like consumers, but they're not right. currently sitting there wondering, boy, I hope, I hope somebody regarding my copying needs gives me a call <laughs> as, I'm, as I'm doing laundry and also trying to figure out if I'm allowed to go back to work next week. <laughs> what, exactly. What, and that's a big challenge right now. Right. So, so let's start, let's start at the top for business owners, executives. What do you think are some really important things for them to do right now in time of fear and in time of uncertainty? Well, one of the first things is to deal with that fear. Everybody I've talked to lately has been experiencing some level of fear or anxiety, and it ranges from just a little mild concern all the way up to absolute outright deathly fear depending on, on the individual. So that's one of the first things that businesses and especially leaders need to grapple with is what's the feeling like in your company? What are your employees dealing with as far as their emotion? How are your customers feeling? Are your customers panicking right now? 
to what extent can you as an owner or a leader help your employees and customers to feel a little more secure, a little more comfortable? Because so long as people are anxious, they're not going to buy. If your employees are all worried they're going to get laid off next week, they're not going to buy anything this week. And the same is true for your customers. If, if they're afraid that something's going to happen with you, then that's going to impact their decision-making process. So what can you do as a leader to help calm things down within your organization? How can you create some reassurance among your people so that people can then make good decisions? And then look at strategy from the big picture. What should your company be doing right now during this time of crisis? Rather than panicking and reacting, take this opportunity to do some long-term planning. What are you going to be doing over the next couple of weeks? What are you doing in the next few months? And to an extent, this is going to depend on what's happening with this crisis. What we've been seeing so far is increasing craziness and increasing closures. Right now, uh, a lot of states have closed all restaurants, bars, gyms, athletic clubs, uh, performance uh, arenas, uh, all sports are, are canceled everywhere. So it's a really weird time. None of us have ever experienced anything like this before. Even after 9-11, when airports were shut down and travel was non-existent, there were still meetings and there were still sports. Sports were only you know, off for a couple of weeks and came right back. So this is a, a really unusual situation that none of us alive have ever experienced. It's sort of a combination of the Great Depression and 9-11 and World War II and the housing crisis all mixed together. So there is much more anxiety than ever before. There's much more fear than ever before. And we're going to need to kind of watch and see what happens over the next few weeks. Hopefully, by the time you're listening to this podcast, things will have improved to some degree. Even then, there's still going to be a lot of fear and panic. So keep up on the news. Watch for the facts. Know as much as you can about those facts and keep really good communication with your employees and with your customers. The more communication you have with them, the better. Because the first thing that needs to be done is for things to get calmed down and to assess what's going on, what are the strengths, what are the dangers, what are the opportunities. What do you feel for a sales team is the right activities to be doing right now. Do you do you think they should be trying to sell? I think it depends. Um, active selling right now is probably not going to be very effective because everybody has a lot of other things in their mind. Now, if what you're selling is directly related to what's happening crisis-wise, then yes. If, if your product or service can help people during the times of crisis, you should be out there actively selling because there's a problem and you have a solution for it. For I, have most every four, I have four pallets of toilet paper. Do you think I could? There you it? go. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You should be on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> for most everybody else though, now is not the time to be trying to drum up business but rather to engage in other parts of sales. And I like to define sales as helping people acquire the things they want and need for a better life. That's a really broad definition. 
And I think right now we can look at a small part of that, which is how can we as salespeople help others? I'm a big advocate of generosity and kindness, not just on an individual level, but on a corporate level. I wrote a blog post a while back called uh, Generosity and Your Sales. And companies that help others, that have a company culture of serving their communities, of serving humanity, tend to do very well financially. So this is a good opportunity for salespeople to look at how they can help their customers in ways other than selling them things. So that might just be communication and checking in and seeing how they're doing and making sure that they're common, their issues are taken care of. It could mean reaching out to customers who have balances and saying, hey, we're going to help you out with your payment schedule because we know that you are dealing with problems with payments. It might mean uh, checking with them and seeing how you can best help them in the coming weeks and months, just doing some research. Some of it might be taking uh, the temperature of your client and seeing what are you dealing with now? Uh, you know, what's going to be happening in your organization in the next few weeks and months and how can we best support you in that? Mm -hmm. So this is a good time for outreach. It's a good time for research. It's a good time for communication. All those things are part of the sales process in a whole. I don't think this is necessarily a good time to be asking people for money, but it's a really good time to do everything else that's part of the sales process. I like that. And you're, you're continuing to reinforce the relationships that you already have. Yeah, precisely. being there for your customers is what you're trying to communicate through the entire process anyway. This is time yeah. to actually show that. Yes, exactly. If you believe in relationship selling, and you should, then that relationship is for better or for worse. Well, right now is worse. So what can you do now during the time that they are also in crisis? What can you do to help them? How can you be a good partner? Because you want to look at yourself and your clients, as well as you and your vendors, as partners. And you're all in this together. So how can you help each other? So what are the things that you can do for your clients that will help them through this process? Are there resources you can direct them to? Are there uh, products that you can give them as a free trial? Are there services you can offer them for free for, for a period of time? Can you help them by giving them uh, you know, extra credit terms? What are the things that you can do to support them during their time of need, which is also in your best interest? Because, you know, if, if they're stuck in a situation where they now owe all their vendors money and they can't pay their vendors, well, they're going out of business. You may be the reason some company stays in business because you helped them enough with their cash flow, they could stay afloat and then they stay your customer forever. This is the time when the relationship sales bonds are really tested. It's your opportunity to prove yourself. What kind of a company are you? What kind of a salesperson are you? Are you just there to make money off of them? Or are you there to support them through thick and thin when times get really desperate? Hmm. Yeah, I love that. What do you, so, so, go to the opposite side when you're trying to show that before you know the person. So prospecting, you're, you're reaching okay. out to folks, you're, you're trying to build 
an early stage relationship to tell them I'm here for you. I will be here for you. That's one of my great, the great tenants of my company is our service. And we will, we will be next to you as partners. You, so, right. so to your point, right. But yet you haven't, you haven't built that yet. So you don't have that relationship. How, how do you build upon these new relationships in a time like now? That's a great question. A basic principle in sales is that money follows value. When you deliver value first, money comes to you. So if you're reaching out to prospects that you don't have a relationship with yet, this is the ideal time to offer value. The question is, what can you offer prospects that would be of value to them? That starts with figuring out who are your prospects and what are their needs. And right now you're dealing with not just their usual needs, but what are their crisis needs? What are the needs they have right now today that they didn't have a few weeks ago? What are the needs they're going to have over the next few weeks, the next few months that they normally wouldn't have? How can you fill those needs? And and I'm looking at two different op options here. How can you fill those needs in a way that they'll pay for? And how can you fill those needs in a way they don't have to pay for? Because if you can help somebody with their immediate needs that requires no expense, no obligation on their part, you now have earned the opportunity to build a relationship with them. You've earned their attention, you've earned their respect, you've earned their appreciation, you've earned their trust. So as much as possible, how can you reach out to prospects and say, hey, we know you're going through a crisis right now. We can do X for you. No charge, no obligation. We simply want to offer it to you. This is our gift to you right now. If you can do that, if you can offer people something that they can really, really use right now that requires no effort, no money on their part, they will take that, they will use that, they will benefit from that, and they will be open to anything else you want to say to them later on. You have to earn their attention. You have to earn their respect and trust. And the way you do that is by delivering value. Now, you can certainly blur value with a price tag attached to it. That's, if you have something that they definitely need and you know, it costs you to provide it, you can't give it for free, well then yeah, it's okay to say, hey, we've got this for you um, and this is how much it costs. If this works for you, you know, this is what we've got and here's how it can help you. Mm -hmm. But anything you can do over and above that that's free is that much better, both for them and for you. So let, let's look at this a little more globally when there isn't a time of crisis. The, the modern way of selling is still to find out what your product or service offers of value, identify ways of, of letting the decision makers and your potential buyers get thought leadership from your business so that they can get to know who you are, they can find something of value, they can learn something that they can then apply to their day-to-day -day jobs. And this is all in non-crisis times when 
you're still trying to develop that relationship prior to selling. Certainly, there are many products, many services that you can call up, say, this is what we do, this is what it costs, and a customer says yes. But in, in today's complex sale world, there's oftentimes companies doing webinars, promoting white papers, giving research, giving free consultation with the full, the full reasoning to do exactly what you're saying to do now. So yes. it, it still fits within modern sales practice. It just it does. may be perceived as more authentic now because maybe these folks can't buy currently. It's certainly more needed right now. And there's one twist I would add to that. And that is that typically what companies do is they look at their product or service and they think about what it does and they look at how to promote it. What you really want to do is look at things from the opposite perspective. What does your prospect need? What do they want? And then figure out how your product or service achieves that want or need. Too many companies look at their products and, and they're all excited about their product. They love the product, the product with their kid. And they're in love with it because it's theirs. And so they have this view of it that is skewed because they see it as the cure-all for everything. And it's wonderful and beautiful and perfect. And they try to sell that and they try to show how useful it is and how great it is. When what companies should be doing is looking at their customers and their prospects and learning them and getting to know them so well that they understand what the prospect is thinking. What does the prospect want more of? What do they want less of? What are they hoping for? What are they afraid of? What are they trying to get closer to? What are they trying to get further away from? What are their priorities? What are their values? When you know that about your prospect, you can create marketing and you can create products and you can create educational tools that really speak to them and resonate with them. And that's actually a good thing for companies to do right now during this downtime. When you're not actively selling, this is a really good time to get your whole company together, your marketing team, your sales team, your engineering team, your uh, investment team, your financial backers, everybody. Get your board directors together. Get everyone together and figure out who is your ideal client. What do your best clients have in common? What are they like? And what do they really need? Understand them. This is a great time to do focus groups with your clients. Virtual focus groups, you know, probably, but this is a great yeah, time to talk with your we, clients in more detail. We aren't advocating to, to get together in large groups of people face-to-face, -face, <laughs> standing next to each other, touching. But right. getting together just, just in a to conference be clear. call, <laughs> just to be clear, <laughs> we are not trying to break any sanctioned government laws. But exactly. yeah, getting all of these folks together is, is definitely the right time to do that. It's in many, in many industries, it's the only thing that can be done right now. Right. So take everybody, and, and I say everybody, because you never know where a great idea will come from. You know, the receptionist could offer an insight that nobody else thought of. So bring everyone together and let everybody be part of this process. 
and really get to understand who is your ideal client and what are their priorities? What are their values? What do they want more of and less of? What are they deathly afraid of? What are they outrageously hopeful for? What are their goals and their, and their, and their fears? Figure this out right now during this downtime. And then you can use that information to put together new marketing campaigns, new webinars, new educational tools, new sales tactics, new processes, maybe redo your website, and do all this around who your ideal clients are and what they will respond best to. So I can, I can relate to that and tell a, a very quick story, but we are, we are getting ready at Engage Prospect to launch a new program very shortly designed to help um, small, mostly startup organizations when the entrepreneur is the salesperson. We're developing mm -hmm. a program to help them launch their, their internal operations. Um, our company for the past six years has been focused on helping them launch their sales teams, and that requires bringing on salespeople. Now we're going to focus um, some of our time on the entrepreneurs themselves. And as part right. of this, and, and putting together the marketing plan for it, we want to interview previous entrepreneurs we've worked with, previous sales leaders we've worked with, and previous um, managers, program managers of various incubators and, and business organizations that, that we've taught classes with or taught classes at. And so the reason for the long backstory is I reached out just two days ago to a lot of various contacts in all of those areas and said, we're developing this new program. Would love to get a five, 10 minute testimonial video put together from your perspective of how we did, why it was so beneficial, what challenges you're seeing with the people you're working with, so on and so forth. And every single one of them replied back within moments saying, sure, let's schedule time. It's the perfect time, not only to, do internal um, review of your, of your product, value prop services, how you can best um, support your customers, who your best customers are. It's also the best time for sure, at least from my experience, to go and ask your customers how you're doing and what you could be doing better, what you've done very well for them. Wonderful time to, to bring people into meetings because they, in many cases, don't have a full slate of things to do every day. Absolutely. They're not doing their regular jobs right now. So it's a perfect time for that. I'm doing the same thing. I'm reaching out to, to my customers and saying, how can I be of service to you? What, what do you need from me right now? How can I help your people? How can I help your, your customers? Because that's a, a great thing to do right now. Cause I can't actively book speeches or seminars right now. <laughs> right. But I've got all this stuff that I can use to be of service. And that's really the, the key phrase here is, is be of service. The, the question that I'm currently in love with right now is how can I help you? And that's a great question for anybody to be asking right now. It's a great question for CEOs to ask their executive team. It's a great question for leaders to ask their employees. 
It's a great question for sales managers to ask their sales people. It's a great question for companies to ask their customers. It's great for people to ask their neighbors. How can we serve you? How can I support you? How can I help? Without looking at dollar signs, without looking at money changing hands, how can I support you? Because right now, during crisis is when we all need to come together, when we all need to support each other. Mm-hmm. If we're lucky, this crisis will be over soon. If we're not lucky, this crisis could go on well towards the, the third, even fourth quarter of 2020. Regardless of how long it lasts, we need to help each other. And the more we do, the faster we'll come out of this crisis. The more we look at help each other rather than panicking and hoarding, the sooner we'll get out of this. What we need to do is anti-hoard. We need to give away as much as we can. We need to give away our expertise. We need to give away our, our thoughts. We need to give away our time. We need to give away our money. We need to give away our products and services. As much as we can, we need to give. Because the more we give right now, the sooner we'll recover from this. A big part of the problem we're experiencing, and will for a while, is that because so much economic activity is shut down, money is just sitting there. And one of the fundamental tenets of economics is that money only really is beneficial when it's moving around. And the more it moves, the better, because that's value-changing hands. A principle of economics is that anytime two people trade, it's because they're both better off as a result. The corollary to that is anything that stops two people from trading means both parties are worse off as a result. Lots of we're experiencing right now. The coronavirus has prevented trade. People are not able to buy the things they want to buy, so we're all worse off as a result. The way we can, as businesses, help this is by giving away as much of what we have as possible because that provides people things they need. It makes them better off. So if we give something to somebody, it makes them better off. It doesn't necessarily make us better off in the short term, but in the long term it does. Because if we give to somebody else and it helps them, it gets them on their feet, back, gets them back on their feet faster. It means they can buy from us sooner rather than later. It helps them buy from somebody else, which then enables them to buy from somebody else, which then buys from us. So giving things away right now is in our best interest. I'm calling it anti-hoarding. Let's make this a hashtag. Anti-hoarding, <laughs> the opposite of hoarding. Giving away rather than grabbing as much as you can. So what can you give away? Can you give away your expertise? Can you give away your product? Can you give away your time? What can you give away? Because the more you can give right now, the faster we all will recover. So for, to, to bring this down to the ground level, what can salespeople give away? We've talked a little bit about this, and I hate to have you repeat yourself, but what, what can a salesperson give away that can support his or her prospects or customers without, without giving the farm and something they can't deliver? That depends. It depends on what it is you sell exactly. So I would say if your salesperson, talk with your sales manager, have a meeting of your sales team and even with your CEO and ask that question of the companies. What could you as individuals, as a company, give away? It might be your time because maybe you're not out making sales calls right now. So can you donate your time to a shelter or a food bank or somewhere else where someone could use your efforts? Uh, Can you go online and advocate for somebody? Um, 
I know there's a lot of problem with the animal shelters right now because people are giving up their pets on the mistaken belief that animals can spread the coronavirus. Mm. That's now a whole new sub-crisis that didn't need to happen, but now requires people. So is that somewhere you could devote your time? Is some other philanthropic organization needing of your time? Maybe it's that. Maybe it's giving away some of your product. Maybe it is uh, donating money. Money is typically the most important thing that charitable organizations need during times of crisis. So that's really a question that each of us needs to ask ourselves. Is what can I do based on my situation, my locality, my community's needs, my beliefs, my, and my in my individual, in my community, my 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 network. What can I? How can I best be of service? And it can be helpful, like I said, to call a sales meeting with as many of your people as possible for you to discuss this question. Maybe you come up with some ideas of how you, as individuals or as you as a company, can help. So there's a there's an old saying that it's better to give than receive, and I yeah. know that um, time and time again, when when I give, which and my friends and family would say is less than I receive. But when, when I do give, I always feel really good. <laughs> I always feel really good about it. And I think that's, that's common, right? You feel good for, for giving away time or money or your expertise. Sure. One thing that I know is really important is staying positive in this situation. It could be two yeah. weeks long. It could be, five months long. We're, we're not sure. And you even mentioned that a few moments ago. How, how do you feel sales managers, sales people can, what, what steps can they take to stay positive during this time of uncertainty? The first thing to remember is that we will get out of this. And it may be difficult for a while, but we will recover. We recovered after every single shock to our system we've ever experienced. We've recovered from wars. We've recovered from stock market crashes. We've recovered from 9-11. So we will recover from this as well. That's the first and most important thing to remember. And understand that you've got a network. There are, are services that even if you suffer uh, a job loss or a reduction in salary, there are options. And currently, the government is looking at a whole bunch of different options to support people. Don't be afraid to ask for help. There's a great quotation, and I forget the, the author of it, um, but she said, we tend to think of people as two types, those who ask for help and those who offer help. The reality is we are all both. So we need to remember that it's okay to ask for help, that when you ask for help, you're actually giving somebody else the opportunity to give help. And if we don't ask for help, we prevent them from having that opportunity. So just as we feel good helping others, it makes others feel good to help us. So if you're suffering from a furlough or a layoff, or just a reduction in, in your salary or your income. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Because again, we're all in this together and we're all dealing with a similar situation. So it's okay to ask for help from anybody within your circle. That's all right. It also helps to look at biographies and, and histories to see how things tend 
to work out. There's a great uh, biography of Dwight Clark that I love on NFL Network. Uh, Dwight Clark is the, the one who caught the catch from Joe Montana back in, in the NFC playoff game that oh, started yeah. the 49ers dynasty. And what people, a lot of people don't know is after Dwight Clark retired, he went bankrupt because he got involved in real estate deals and the real estate market crashed. He lost everything. And so here was a Super Bowl champion who had hit a place of rock bottom, not because he was dumb, not because um, he was lazy, but because of some unfortunate things in the, in the economy. And he had to actually sell some of the Super Bowl rings. But he came back from that. And that's a really inspiring story. And there's so many of those types of stories out there of people surviving despite terrible things happening. So I would say read biographies like that. Um, look at, show, you know, watch television shows that show how people and how organizations survived and came back. You know, there's a lot of examples of that. And that can help you keep your enthusiasm and optimism up. I think that's great. And that's really good advice um, in, in any time to continue to develop yourself, continue to reinforce positive messaging. Um, that's, that's really good advice in any case. What would you suggest looking at the opposite side? What would you suggest not doing in a time like this? What should, what should businesses or sales people in general try to avoid? Oh, that's a great question. Cause we do so many stupid things when we panic, when, when fear takes over, we do a lot of stupid things. So you know, don't panic. Don't go selling all your stock. Because uh, even though the stock market is crashing, you know, hold on to it and it will recover. So, you know, don't do anything drastic. We're, we're allowed um, to hoard stocks, just not toilet paper. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. Just wanted to make sure. Okay. Do not sell, do not sell all of your prized possessions. Thinking. <laughs> Another thing is a, a really common thing that businesses do whenever the economy goes south or the certainty, they cut marketing. And it's one of the worst things they can do. Cutting your marketing in an uncertain or slow time is like saying, well, we're running low on gasoline. Let's turn off the oil well to save gas. Mm. You know, right now is the time you need to be marketing over the next you know, several weeks and months, you need to be marketing because you've got to get your name out there. There is an absolute correlation between marketing and sales. So if you cut your marketing, your sales are going to go down. You need to keep that marketing going. The question is, what should your marketing messages be and what are the best ways to get them out there? So keep up with your marketing. This might be the time to spend more effort on social media marketing versus other kinds of marketing. So you can certainly change your marketing mix. You can change your marketing message, but don't stop marketing. The other thing not to do is don't stop training. Because something else companies do when times get tighter and certain is they stop all their training. No, 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 no. Right now is when you need training the most. Because right now you have people that are uncertain. You have people that are scared. You have people that are, are being asked to do things they don't normally do. This is the time when they need to develop their skills. This is the time when they need to be taught how to be resilient 
This is when they need to be taught how to stay positive. This is when they need to learn new sales skills because they're going to be dealing with sales situations over the next few months they haven't dealt with before. They're going to get objections they've never had before. They're going to need to know how to prospect differently than they have before. So train your people. Keep training them. It doesn't have to be expensive. You don't need to hire the most expensive person out there to come in and do them for your company. You can train on the cheap. You can get books on sales. You can get books on leadership. You can do webinars. Uh, there's a lot of options there, but don't stop training your people. You need to train them more than ever. And if you train them now, your people will become a competitive advantage over the next several months as companies are all scrambling to try to refill their coffers. So there was a, a customer of ours yesterday who was preparing to start work on April 1st and right. um, not, not only with us, but he's, he's hiring a sales team and beginning, beginning this entire process on the 1st of April. The interest now in pushing this back to May 1st is abundantly clear and, and likely something he's doing. Sure. My, my feelings were, I certainly understand the, the hesitation. I know that if, if they're not already on staff, bringing some bringing headcount on board at this moment might, might be a little premature and, and one month won't change the bottom line significantly either direction. But one, one piece of this became abundantly clear to me and he and I talked about this for a while, which was the concern when, when organizations come back in full force after the crisis is over. My, my feeling, very strong feeling, is that buyers, what, regardless of, of what you're selling, I'm sure, I'm sure it actually does matter what you're selling, but in the most basic form, the buyers that come back to work after being out for X number of weeks, are going to be less likely to want to take and have thorough first calls with a vendor they don't know. So right. to summarize that a lot more succinctly, starting new relationships in May, if we're back to work and everything's back to normal, will be a lot more challenging than in April. And the reason, in my opinion, is because during this time, we, we keep saying how, how difficult it might be to sell how difficult it might be to, to get people on the phones or to respond to email. But imagine after being out for six weeks, what it's going to be like to try to start a new relationship on May 1st. I think it might be extremely challenging. Right now, great time to use all of the things that you're telling us today. Add value, serve, give yourself, and you can start to build relationships now. What are your thoughts, and certainly if, if you completely disagree, that's okay, but what are your thoughts when, when we come back from this? What, what can we expect, and, and I'd like it maybe from two sides, one from, from the current clients, those you have relationships with, and then what can we expect from people that we've not yet started to reach out to? Well, first of all, I would absolutely agree with every single word you just said. And I think that reaching out to people now is the best thing you can do. Start laying the groundwork, both with existing clients and with brand new prospects. Start those relationships now 
And then in six or eight or 12 weeks, when things are beginning to get back to normal, you don't have to start from scratch at that point. You really have something built. And I think it's both with existing clients and new clients because your existing clients have canceled a bunch of stuff. They put a lot of things on hold. They're waiting until they know more or until their income stream comes back online. So they're going to be in a holding pattern. But if you are using the opportunity to be there for them, like we said earlier, then your calls first are going to take. If you've been talking to them during this downtime and saying, how can we help you? How can we support you during this time? How can we make things easier for you? How can we help you be stronger during this? If you've been there during this time, then when they're ready to buy, you're the first thing they're buying. Mm-hmm. Yep. You've, you've already begun to build that relationship and show who you question. are. We, we talk a lot with, and you probably see this a lot too, but when we work with companies that are established and say, what's the, what's the biggest differentiator in, in your business from your competitors? Why are you, why are you better? Why do you service your, your clients better? And that may be a, a terrible word to use in this story, but why, why should a customer choose you versus your competitor? And I struggle when the first response is, we offer better service. <laughs> how, do you, how do you prove that? Right? I, and the yeah. answer is great. And, and when you can prove it, I'm there for you through thick and thin. When you can prove that, you build a, a lifelong relationship. Right? Absolutely. But, but so, so in marriage, sticking through the tough times is certainly that that's what you on your deathbed can feel really good about and know that you had the love of your life. But when you're dating, yeah. you can't, you can't sell her on, no, no, I'll be there through everything. I promise. Right. She just doesn't believe it. Right. So, yeah. so this is, this is the time, maybe the only time in my career where I've seen you brought up nine 11 earlier, of course, but this is, this is a time when you can actually prove that at the beginning of a relationship. Hey, XYZ customer, I'm, I'm calling not to sell you anything. I read this article the other day about your industry, and I thought you might want to see it. I'm sure you guys are dealing with a lot of stuff over there. Absolutely. There That's exactly correct. I, I, la I laugh at your answer about I give great service because – Everyone says that. And the fact is, <laughs> even companies that provide lousy service claim to give great service. So Absolutely. the words actually mean nothing. This is a great time to demonstrate it and to build up a bank of stories. So that six months from now, when someone says, hey, what makes you different than your competitor? You can say, we take care of our customers. And here's an example of how we take care of our customers. Here are 10 stories about how we took care of our customers during the coronavirus crisis. That then is your proof. That's your body of work and that's something for new prospects to be able to judge you on. Not just an empty promise that no one knows if it's true or not. You're absolutely correct. This is the time when at the beginning of the relationship you can offer that proof. Absolutely important. I love it. So, so let, let's shift gears just for a moment. And I, I would like to spend, even though we've certainly done a thorough job discussing current events right now with COVID-19 and all the, all the things that are coming with it. Let, let's talk 
in general about, about some of your work. I'd love to know some of your core philosophy as it relates to sales training and management training um, outside of any crisis. Tell, tell us a little bit. You, you, we know you work with, with corporations. Some are business to business. Some are business to consumer. I know you, you travel and consult and are on a, you're doing a lot of conferences and a lot of speaking engagements. Fill, fill us in on some of that if you could. I, I love sales and I love speaking. And I got into speaking kind of by accident in high school. Uh, I got into a speech and debate team one day because there was a kid that was sick and that, uh, teaching me the last bit of replacement and I did it and found that I was good at it and it was the first thing I was ever good at. So I fell in love with it pretty quickly. So about 20 years ago, I combined those two things or speaking about sales and this is my, this is my passion. I will do this until I die. I love doing it. And uh, there are a lot of things I love about it. One of the things I love about it is the look in someone's eyes when they get an idea or they grasp a concept, they get this insight and you can just see it. Their whole body lights up. And something I love, people will sometimes walk out of my session. I'll be doing a training program or a speech and they'll literally walk out and they'll come back a few minutes later. And afterwards they'll tell me, I'm sorry I had to walk out, but I had to go call my client based on what you just told me and I closed the deal with them. And I'm like, yes! <laughs> you know, I love getting emails from people or phone calls and telling me what, you know, what they did, what they learned because I want sales to be a better profession. I think those of us who are in sales training by and large believe that sales really should be ethical. That sales should always be positive. Sales should be something that you can be proud of. And too many people are kind of ashamed of selling because it's got this negative association. So I love being able to help people understand that sales can and should be ethical. They can and should be proud of it. And that being a professional salesperson is like being any other kind of professional that you learn how to do your job well, and you never stop learning and you're always working on helping other people. What I said earlier about what I think sales is, helping people acquire the things they want and need for a better life. You're helping people. That's what our job is, is to help them. So I see myself as someone who helps people help others. And that's so rewarding for me. And so in all of my training, it's, it's based on that underlying principle that sales is about helping, it's about serving. Uh, my primary sales training program is called the Dow of Selling, which comes from the Dao De Ching, which roughly translates to the way or the path of virtue, because I believe sales is really virtuous. And that's kind of the underpinning of everything that I talk about. So I help companies sell more quickly, ethically, and profitably. I think all three of those things are critically important in sales for the health of a company. And I work with all different kinds of clients and that keeps me interested and enables me to bring in examples from different industries. I can tell a client, Hey, this worked in this industry. It can also work in your industry. No one's doing this yet. If you do this, you'll be the first. And clients are always challenging me with you know, new issues and uh, new ideas and, and uh, new problems to solve. So that keeps me really excited. So every client is always a new challenge. Everything I do is customized. So I learn about the company. I learn about their industry, their competitors. 
so that when I go in and speak to their people, I know their products and services and I know their competitors and I can give them really specific advice. And that helps me help other clients as well, because the more I know about any given company, the more I learn about industries and the economy as a whole. And I combine that with my economics training to help people understand, you know, what are the buying motivations and what do you need to understand to make the sale? Because people think the sale is about the product and it's not. Selling more of what you sell has nothing to do with what you sell. It has everything to do with your prospect. So I help people understand that dynamic. And when they understand that more effectively, their sales skyrocket. Hmm. And that, that's abundantly clear because of, of much of your response to what we should be doing now during the COVID-19 crisis is about understanding your customer, understanding their needs, understanding their challenges, yeah. focusing on serving them. That, that comes through loud and clear, Don. Good. So tell, tell us how we can find you because I know there's going to be a lot of people that want to hear more about that message. Uh, my website is doncooper.com. My blog is on there and there's a ton of articles on the blog along with interviews and other podcasts. So there's a ton of free resources there for people. So doncooper.com, D-O-N-C-O-O-P-E-R.com is the, the best way to find me. And my contact information is, is on there. I am happy to talk with anybody for any reason. I'm happy to, to offer free consultations, uh, especially right now during this time. I'm happy to help anybody in any way that I possibly can. And if, if that also hasn't come through loud and clear, um, I, I don't know what has because your, your approach to this is, is exactly how it should be. I think you have the right, the right approach, the right message, and I'm, I'm excited that you took the time today to, to work with me and to help me through, through understanding this a little bit more. This was great, and I really appreciate your time and energy today. Thank you, Dan. It has been my privilege. Wonderful. We'll, we'll stay in touch, and I look forward to having you back on. Thanks again, ladies and gentlemen, Don Cooper, the sales heretic, doncooper.com. Thank you, Don, so much. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Okay. Still there? Yep. Awesome. So what do you think? I thought it was fantastic. What, I, I loved your questions. And I loved how you led me through it. What did you think? I, I thought it was great, man. I learned a ton about, about what the hell to do right now. Yeah. <laughs> 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 It's no, seriously, you're uh, the things I said at the end aren't aren't made up. I think I think you absolutely are teaching the right approach. You've got the right approach. Um, it's it's interesting. I wanted to get into it and then and then we couldn't. But at the very beginning, you mentioned, you know, your background and and selling at the at the age of seven and all of those things. Um, I actually went to so sales. Sales is all I had ever done. I also. And, um, from, from selling baseball cards and selling, selling cutlery and all sorts of uh -huh. newspapers in, in school growing up to in college moving into, I did some restaurant stuff, but also sold timeshares for, for companies down in, I lived in Tampa at the time uh -huh. and me and me and Tom Brady, um, and, <laughs> 
my dad said I should go back to school. And I said, why? And he said, I said, USF? He said, yeah. And I said, why? He said, because maybe he'll meet Tom Brady. I said, dad, pretty, <laughs> pretty, pretty big town. I'm probably not going to meet him if I re-enroll in school at the age of 39 years old. Probably. But uh, anyway, he, uh, he nothing. So, so I'm, I'm in college selling timeshares and then, and then I finished up and actually went to grad school because I hated at the time, I hated what my understanding of sales was granted selling timeshares is quite a bit different than, than providing a service that actually helps, you know, the population. Um, and that's an, that's an unfair statement too, but just, just my experience was, was different. And I went to graduate school, got out and was like, all right, now what do I do? I have this fancy degree. And, the answer was, well, the job you'll get is sales. So enjoy. <laughs> like, damn it. But what I noticed was that in, in the professional world, it's the greatest job you can have. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just obviously when you're, when you're selling things that people buy because you're a cute seven-year-old, that doesn't translate into a career. But once you no. realize that you're actually benefiting society, that you're helping people solve problems, that, that it can be fun and and you can have exciting competition and contests, then, then it's, it's enjoyable besides rewarding. Yeah. Precisely. Yeah. So, love your, love your style. I thought it, I thought it was really great. Your, your responses, of course, I, I loved hearing your, the energy is really good. That's, that's great to, to see. I think that'll come across really well when we can get this out. Um, we need to be LinkedIn friends. I send oh, a request to you. So please, please become BFFs with me so that I can share, share the link with you when it's ready. I will hit um, that up. Absolutely. And yeah, so I, I don't have, we, I, as I said last night, I've not had any discussions specifically on this topic. So I have nothing to, to frame it from, but I can tell you this is one of the best. I, I really enjoyed this conversation. And oh, good. I think, I think your, your messaging to the, to the public is really, is just spot on. So great forward to hope. Hopefully I can, I can get some people talking to you. Hopefully we can keep a relationship going and, and talk again, figure out ways to, to work together in the future. But this was great. Yeah. Let me know as soon as this gets, uh, as soon as this is ready and it's published and I'll put on my blog and I'll promote it through all my channels like crazy and and yeah I would, I would be delighted to speak with you again just let me know when you let me on again and we'll, we'll talk about what we, what we intended to talk about this time <laughs> that's right that's right well, hope hopefully we'll be able to my gosh if we have to have you come on for part two of what to do now it's september <laughs> then i don't want to have you know, it's not, I, I didn't mention this on on the on the podcast but uh i was reading an article uh, this morning about uh, Moody's latest analysis, and they're estimating that 80 million jobs uh, are at moderate or high risk right now. Are you serious? Which is not that so 80 million are going to get terminated, but uh, but of that, 10 million are likely to experience something in the way of, of a disruption, in the way of either a layoff, a furlough, a wage reduction, an hour reduction. That's 10 million jobs. That's a massive number yeah yeah wow that is scary is what that is and 
Yeah, and then there's going to be a lot of bankruptcies because so many small businesses will not be able to survive this. Mm-hmm. Um, last night, we celebrated our, uh, our sensei's birthday, our Aikido sensei's birthday, and we got cupcakes from this local bakery that we love. They're probably going to cl- close down permanently. Mm, really? You know, yeah, because all of their orders have evaporated in the last two weeks and there's nothing being planned, they're going to have zero income. The, the odds are they're not surviving. And that's going to be an extremely common occurrence all over the country. Yeah. That's, that's not good. No. Well, it's going to happen worldwide because the same, the same thing's going to happen in every country that's affected by this. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully we can, uh, Hopefully we can make some strides to, to get everybody back. And, and I think some of the suggestions you gave, I'm going to follow for sure with my organization and our clients, but um, tough time. Stay, stay positive and, and give, give yourself service. Absolutely. And feel free to contact me if I can be of service to you, if I can help you in any way whatsoever. I'm open to you anytime, day or night. I appreciate that greatly. Thank you so much. You bet you, Dan. All right, Don, I'll keep you posted on this, okay? Probably. Sounds good. Awesome. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.